1: And welcome back to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast under the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, the 3D Podcast, and the Starting Five Podcast. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, and leaving reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Make sure you find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I wasn't on the podcast, uh, the last Core 4 podcast, and and the guys that were on it for me, though, are on the show here today. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is my co-host, Nathan, the Chess Pass Chester. Nate, what up?
0: What's going on, man? Hey, I just want to say that you look great in pickup basketball, man. Like, Boris Diao in his prime, the passes from the mid-range, the fadeaway jump shots, the whole bag was there. I was very proud
1: Thank you. I, I'm kind of trying to mold myself more into a uh, Dario Saric, lose a little weight. Uh, but you're, a
0: better, you're a better defender than Dario Sarich is.
1: I appreciate that. Uh, and then another member of the Grizzly Bear Blues family, associate editor, Mr. Hustle, Brandon Abraham. Brandon, what up?
2: Not much, Parker. You know, just living the dream per usual. Um, while we're talking pick up, um, do just want to point out that uh I guess not this past summer, but the summer of two thousand nineteen that my Bellevue Church League team defeated Parker's. So um any compliments that Nate gives to Parker, just add a little bit and give it to me.
0: Brandon, last time I checked, man, basketball is a team board. I could be misinformed about that, but I wouldn't beat your chest just too much about it. And there's a Kobe quote that Shaq told everybody
2: um, earlier this year that I can't repeat on this show, but I was uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey. But um, so over the past week, granted, ran. It Twitter's been dominated by the election, and rightfully so. This is uh one of the most critical times uh, in our country, and there's just a lot of um, unrest and hate going on right now, but um, I guess the motto for 2020 is we're going to push through this. Uh, There's going to be better days ahead, and it won't be like this forever, Um, but on the basketball side of things, rumors are about to be picking up here because it looks like the NBA season will be returning December 22nd, and with the draft about 13 days away as of recording and free agent roughly about two weeks away, you're going to see a lot of movement and a lot of movement really, really fast, especially with the turnaround between the NBA draft and the start of the, uh, the next regular season with, uh, and then training camp starting December 1st. And we kind of had our first domino when it comes to this chaotic off season that's bound to happen. And it's that the new Orleans Pelicans are looking to, trade Drew Holiday or they're just accepting trade talks at this point. Uh, David Griffin kind of put like a little ambiguous statement saying like, oh yeah, like we've always been doing this, but we can, we can win with Drew. Um, But we would definitely be listening to talks, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a new Orleans Pelican next season. I don't know. But uh, first I want to get to Brandon because this is big for the, obviously for the Grizzlies and the Pelicans because for the Grizzly side, Drew Holiday is probably the certified John Morant stopper, as we saw last season. And with the Pelicans training him, whenever you're trading away a valuable guard that can defend multiple positions and score 20 a game while being a primary playmaker, a good return is bound to happen. And, Brandon, what would you consider a really good return? for Drew Holiday for the Pelicans, that would be a bad one for the Memphis Grizzlies.
2: Well, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I'm personally just want to get it out there that I'm in the boat that I kind of think the Pelicans should keep Drew Holiday um, because, you know, they have a handful of picks they got from the Lakers in the Anthony Davis trade. They've got, you know, various second round picks with other trades. They've got, you know, they have a nice pick collection already. So when you trade a guy like Drew Holiday, what, you know, what kind of return, and I know you're asking me, I'm kind of just talking loudly, like what kind of return do the Pelicans even want, you know, do they want something where, you know, you look at a team like Boston where you can maybe get two first round picks and Gordon Hayward, you know, for Drew Holiday, or, you know, do you look at a team – that you know might throw in multiple firsts or you know maybe just one first but have solid young players you know he's been linked to the Brooklyn Nets you know those uh Jared Allen Chris LeVert at first is that enough for um New Orleans to pull the trigger and trade Drew Holiday I'm not sure um from the Grizzlies perspective I think you kind of got to hope that they trade for picks more than solid young players because um you know they already have a bevy of solid young players already and developments, you know, you can't develop everybody into all-star caliber players. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I really don't know what a Drew Holiday trade is going to look like. Um, I think the one that would probably, at least in the short term, hurt the Grizzlies the most would be sending Drew to Denver, um, which has been rumored with for what feels like three years now, um, you know, you're looking at Gary Harris, Will Barton, and, you know, maybe someone like Monte Morris or one of their young bench pieces, um, not named Michael Porter Jr. Um, and a first for Drew Holiday, I think, you know, the Pelicans may pull the trigger on that. and Both Will Barton and Gary Harris are good enough to make the Pelicans a lot better in the short term. Um, so I'd probably say Denver is the, least favorable trade from a Grizzlies perspective.
1: Yeah, Nate, you, you must not like hearing that because I think you would absolutely dread one of your Nathan Chester All-Stars, Michael Porter Jr., or Bo Bowl, going to the division rival Grizzlies and teaming up with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram.
0: It would absolutely break my heart for sure. And although I do think it would be pretty hilarious in a vacuum because that team would never get a single stop on the defensive side of the court ever with Michael Porter Jr., Zion, and Brandon Ingram. But defense kind of plays into my answer, and I'm just going to go ahead and call this now, the Pelicans aren't going to trade him. The Pelicans are not going to trade Drew Holiday. I would be very shocked if that ends up being the case. And the reason for it is that they need to find a defensive identity. And when you're trying to establish a defensive identity – a defensive foundation going forward for your young core. Generally you don't do that by trading the best defensive player on your roster and frankly maybe the best guard defender in the entire NBA. He should be a defensive player of the year candidate year in and year out. He wasn't on first team all defense this year. He should have been. He is a phenomenal physical defender of the guard position. He can defend three positions. That's who Drew Holiday is. No matter how good he is as a primary playmaker and as a scorer I am astounded by how well he fights over screens, by how he makes life difficult for opposing ball handlers. And if you're a Grizzlies fan, you saw John Morant walk into a brick wall, essentially, when he faced Drew Holiday. Now, John Morant is great. He still found ways to impact the games when they played against the Pelicans. But he got put in prison. There's no other way to put it. That's what Drew Holiday is, what he can do, and that's what he did to John Moran during his rookie season. I also think about Stan Van Gundy, who just became the coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, and he's established his reputation over the years as a defensive-minded coach. His most meme-worthy moment when he was the coach of the Orlando Magic was when he was in the huddle and he told his team to build a bleeping wall. (laughs) defensively that is who he is as a coach that is his identity as a coach and I don't think he has total or complete sway over personnel decisions by any stretch of the imagination but I'm sure he has already put his voice out there that he wants Drew Holiday to remain a member of the Pelicans and we made fun of that team's so much in the Orlando bubble. We made fun of Zion. We made fun of them because they just looked like they didn't have energy. They looked like they just didn't care as much as they did during the regular season. And that showed up more often on the defensive end than it did anywhere else. They're a young, extremely talented core group of players there. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. they can win championships. That's how talented they are. But if they're going to get to that point, it has to start on the defensive end of the court, and they need to establish that identity. And they're not going to help themselves in doing that if they trade Drew Holiday away. So I expect them to keep him. The only scenario I could see them trading them and don't get me wrong I don't think this deal would happen because I think Minnesota would ultimately say no to it but there has been a lot of talks over the last few days about how the Pelicans would like to trade up in this draft because think about it if you're the Pelicans and you have all the confidence in the world in this young core and you think Zion, Brandon Ingram, Jackson Hayes, the other young players on that roster are going to take a big leap going into next year then this is really the only time in the near future that you are going to be in the lottery so you need to try to make the most of it right now I think about where the Minnesota Timberwolves are at as a team and they've already talked about how willing they are to trade down for the number one pick and how they're looking for another star to put next to D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns and I think about the weaknesses of the Minnesota Timberwolves you got D'Angelo Russell fantastic primary playmakers scoring guard. You get Carl Anthony Towns, an all-world transcendent big man who's going to give you 25 and 10 every single night. Uh, You got Malik Beasley. I I don't know if he's going to be on the court next year considering what he's dealing with in his personal life at the moment, but they're a a very offensive-minded team. Would they be open to possibly trading out of the number one pick, say, attach the number one pick to Evan Turner's contract and send it out for Drew Holiday? I don't think they would do that, but that's really the only type of deal that I see New Orleans making some type of deal where they use Drew Holiday to move up into the top five or six picks in the draft. They've been tied to Killian Hayes. Um, They've been tied to – there are other players in that top 10, in that projected top 15 that they are looking to target, and if they want to move up to do it, they can use Drew Holiday to do that. But that's the only scenario I see them moving him in
1: that's a good point uh one thing or there's two things with that trade one it would shore up minnesota's defense because they if they draft either anthony edwards or Lamelo ball i want to use your tagline here they may end up having the worst defense in nba history Heck yeah. and, but and also too i would be ecstatic even though it'd be in the grizzlies division if potentially LaMelo Ball and Lonzo Ball got the team up. That would be pretty sick. But a trade that I think would really hurt Memphis in a way, but also would be very beneficial for the New Orleans Pelicans is making a deal with Indiana center around Miles Turner. Because, let's be real, I mean, I think Zion Williamson isn't going to be much of a floor spacer. Um, And he's going to be kind of like just – I hate to say the Giannis tie because Giannis is a two-time MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year, literally a top seven player in the world. But that's like kind of his trajectory, and as we see him standing on the lineups, it kind of operates off of just one physically dominant specimen inside, surrounded by a bunch of three-point shooters. And the big talk, basically since he's in the league, is how Miles Turner's can be this stretch five. And he continues to shoot 23 foot jumpers at the top of the key. Maybe Stan Van Gundy could unlock that. And next thing you know, you have a enforcer and rim protector that can shore up Zion and Ingram's uh, defensive deficiencies. So I think, and also too, I think for Indiana, it would give them a very imposing three guard lineup of Brogdon, Oladipo, and Holiday alongside Demonis Sabonis and TJ Warren. I think they could be a very dangerous team out east, if that's the case. One that has like an outside shot of making it to the finals. But uh, who knows? I mean, like, like you said, they could very well keep Drew Holiday. They can flip him to Brooklyn. They can flip him to Minnesota. Golden State has been kind of a team that's in there. And I would honestly laugh if if Andrew Wiggins was that third star between Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, but that's, that's one of those we'll we'll wait and see. And, um, Brandon, I'll get to you on this one. The Grizzlies and the Pelicans are going to be compared all the time. Um, just right now, which trajectory do you, I do favor? Because one thing I was thinking about too, is, Next summer, you'll have Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart on restricted free agency. This summer, you'll have Brandon Ingram getting a max contract. You have Zion Williamson's inconsistent health. But, I mean, you can't deny, too, that they have the most young talent, the most assets, because that's what happens when you trade for a top seven player like Anthony Davis but also too the Grizzlies were managed to have a very quick turnaround and accumulate a lot of assets in the form of young players and draft capital as well so how would you compare the Grizzlies trajectory to New Orleans and if the Grizzlies are behind New Orleans on that what are some ways that they can catch up in terms of that trajectory going into the southwest divisions future
2: um, as much as it pains me to say, I think the Pelicans have not necessarily the future, but I think they have the easier path to being, you know, a championship caliber team, um, mostly because of the points you make out. You know, the Grizzlies turned the Mike Conley trade into a very successful trade for them. You know, the Mark Gasol one worked out pretty well. Um, I mean, really just Jonas here now, but. Um, the Pelicans got a bevy of picks and young players by trading, you know, one of the best big men in the league and Anthony Davis. So they have, you know, they have, I guess, the more all around talent, but with that becomes the higher expectations. And, you know, we saw in the bubble, they just crumbled under those expectations. Um, but I think, you know, looking at the roster now, you know, let's just say they keep drew holiday. You know, I think they have, you know, at least in the short term, the better team. Um, but then you kind of get to where what's going to happen with their cap situation. You know, how much is Lonzo Ball going to, you know, get offered in restricted free agency They're, you know, all but assured going to sign Brandon Ingram to a max this winter. Um, you know, so what do they do with their cap space? Cause you know, their guys are kind of up for free agency and bigger contracts sooner than the Grizzlies guys. Um you know, But I think a lot of it does depend on Zion's health and what he ultimately becomes. You know, the Pelicans really weren't that great with Zion last year. Um, there's been a ton of talk about how that team kind of didn't really gel in the locker room. It was a weird locker room fit. Does Stan Van Gundy come in and, you know, fix things? Does it get weirder with Stan in there? Um, you know, so they have a lot of questions, but I think, you know, if you're just looking at the rosters right now, you know, it's hard to deny the Pelicans have, you know, the better outlook.
1: Right. And I want to get to a, another team in the Southwest division who I think their trajectory and their situation is very interesting. And that is the Houston Rockets because they recently hired Steven Silas to replace Mike D'Antoni, Dale Morey, uh, stepped down and is now with the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm not going to entertain the Sean Sharania report of Philadelphia being interested in training for James Harden because guess what? <laughs> so are the other 29 teams in the league. Um, but the Silas hiring is very interesting because I think he's one of those coaches that he could unlock something different with James Harden because I, Harden and Luka are very similar players in terms of, their shot distribution, their playmaking play acumen, their ability to draw fouls and get to the line. And I think Silas can use some of the strategies and tactics that they use with Luka to unlock some different stuff with Harden in terms of getting him off ball more instead of just having this two-man isolation game. But also if they fail, Silas seems like a very good coach that can lead them into a rebuild and – And then when you factor in the potential return on James Harden or Russell Westbrook trades, a very quick one at that. Um, So, Nate, what what would you make out of the Stephen Silas hiring in Houston? Because we know Houston has this high-powered offense with Harden, Westbrook, Gordon, uh, Robert Covington. And Silas is coming in uh, from a situation where – he kind, of quarter, or he kind of coordinated a historically efficient offense in Dallas. Is there going to be much difference between the D'Antoni style and Silas style? Do you really think that we will see a different version of James Harden and or Russell Westbrook?
0: I do not think that in the slightest. I think it's gonna look a lot like more of the same going forward. And you mentioned um, the hatred and polarization that is present in our country right now. And I agree with that. And I think in these times of polarization, we need to rally around the things that unite us as Americans, and that's the Houston Rockets are heading for a rebuild. Everyone who knows the situation of the Houston Rockets should be able to agree on that. Mike D'Antoni when he was in Phoenix we all know about seven seconds or less um, how he kind of predicated or presided over the NBA's transformation and evolution into pace and space basketball and that's because he was they played a fast up-tempo style of ball movement spacing that allowed Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire to flourish in, along with various other role players in their time in Phoenix and when he got to Houston He did transform Houston's offense. They did become a lot more efficient, especially when he had James Harden and Chris Paul. But Mike D'Antoni did not have a reputation for isolation offense in the slightest before he got to Houston. That was not um, how the Lakers played when he was there during the 2012-2013 season. That is not how Steve Nash played for the Phoenix Suns when he was there in the 2000s. But he had James Harden. And that's how James Harden was going to play basketball, no matter what Mike D'Antoni or anyone else tried to do about it. Now, can Steven Silas come in there? And again, a ton of success in Dallas for him. I think he's going to be a very good coach in the NBA. And I ultimately don't know what his tenure is going to look like over the case of four to five years in Houston, can he get James Harden to buy into being a more active participant off the ball where he's more willing to move without the basketball and become more of a spot-up shooter than a pure isolation player? I mean, maybe, maybe he can do that. But good luck trying to get the Houston Rockets to become a team that resembles the Golden State Warriors offensively over the last five years of the Phoenix Suns during the 2000s when you have James Harden and Russell Westbrook as your two best players, good luck with that. I don't see that happening. I just don't. They've both been two very ball-dominant isolation players throughout the course of their careers over the last decade. And at this age, at their age, they're both over the age of 30 now, they are not going to change no matter what philosophy a coach tries to bring. And that's not necessarily a condemnation or an indictment of Russell Westbrook. And James Harden but this is for all the Grizzly fans out there David Fisdale comes in the summer of 2016 and he has a very particular way that he wants the offense to look and how he wants the culture of the franchise to change Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol two of the best teammates two of the best human beings to ever be in the NBA at the end of the day both of them had been in the league for about a decade at that point and they weren't going to change and there ended up being a lot of tension because of that. And that was true for Marcus Saul more than it was for Mike Conley, but there was only so much that a new coach of a new philosophy could come in there and do. So is Stephen Silas going to take the Houston Rockets in a very drastically different direction with James Harden and Russell Westbrook as compared to what Mike D'Antoni did with it? No, I don't think he will, and that's not an indictment of Stephen Silas. But James Harden, I'm just going to put it bluntly, Um, You can't win a championship with James Harden as your best player. I have defended him to death over the last five to six years in the playoffs, but it's become very apparently obvious that when it becomes clutch time, when the games matter the most, you can't rely on his style and brand of offense to help you win at the very highest level against the best competition. He's just not up to that with his style of game. And I don't like to say that, but that's just the reality of it. Russell Westbrook, I mean, he averaged 27, seven and seven last year. I'm not going to say he's bad or that he's not even close to being what he used to be. He's not the same player that he used to be. Um, he was bad in the bubble. He was really bad in the playoffs. And, you know, I could say it's because he's been dealing with injuries and he was recovering from COVID. But the truth of the matter is at his age, and over the last couple of years, Westbrook is always dealing with something now physically. Um, Russell Westbrook is not good enough to be the second best player on an NBA championship team. Um, they were barely able to beat an Oklahoma City Thunder team in the first round that didn't even want to make the playoffs this year. I don't see their situation changing in a drastic way. Their role players are not good enough to elevate them. They don't have the depth necessary to do it. And if you told me, and this is a bit of a hot take to be sure, if you told me that the Houston Rockets missed the playoffs next year, I would not at all be shocked by it. I would still have them in my top eight, don't get me wrong, just because of Harden. But if you told me they weren't in the playoffs next year, it would not surprise me at all. They came a couple seconds and a few points from entering into a total rebuild this summer or this winter, and they're not going to do that. They're going to run it back, but they will end up blowing it up by the end of next season. I promise you that.
1: Yeah, and um, ESPN's uh, Tim McMahon reported today at uh, this Stephen Silas and Raphael Stone introduction press conference that uh, Raphael Stone, uh, the person who is taking Mori's place, wants to have the flexibility to go big or small. So it's needless to say they're going to probably look at adding a center this offseason. And, Brandon, who would you kind of peg as that perfect five to put alongside James Harden? and Russell Westbrook, and the small ball uh, Houston Rockets?
2: Well, you know, so it gets pretty interesting, um, depending on how they want to go about it. Um, The quote kind of makes it seem like they want a, you know, someone who can play the center position, but doesn't necessarily need to be a starter. Um, You know, so if you look at free agency, I think Aaron Baines would be – a fantastic get for the Houston Rockets. I don't know if they can afford them, but I think Baines would be a solid addition. He's a bruiser down low. He can, you know, sh- he shoots it well from beyond the arc. He sets, you know, great screens. that can get James Harden open for his, you know, really deep threes. Um, so I think Baines would be a great get for the Rockets. Um, I don't know if the Rockets will do an interdivision trade, but I mean, the Grizzlies have a backup center that I think would be a nice bench off op- bench option for the Rockets uh, and Gorgie Jang. I think um, you know, Gorgie could be a guy off the Rockets bench who could uh, you know, protect the rim, you know, sit in the corners on offense. And, you know, he was streaky in Memphis, but for his career, he's been a, you know, at least a decent three-point shooter, especially from the corners. Um, So those are the two names that come to mind um, first. Um, I definitely think that it will lead to a better chance of success if they actually go back to a little bit of a more traditional offensive set. Um, I think last year was kind of the Hail Mary for Maury and D'Antoni with the ultra-small ball. Um, And to Nate's point, I think they kind of – Try to go back to what they had with Clint Capella and, you know, go all in this year, but I just don't see them being able to do anything that doesn't ultimately lead to them rebuilding. Um, I am interested to see who they get to kind of be the big man off the bench um, because, I mean, they need somebody. You have to have size in the NBA. I mean, they were lucky to get past Oklahoma State, and that's with a not really great offensive threat down low in Steven Adams. I would have loved to see the Rockets, you know, have to, you know, go up against, you know, a team like the Denver Nuggets, who at the start of the bubble were starting, you know, literally all five of their centers. Um so it'll be interesting for sure. Um I, you know, if you haven't already sold all your Rockets stock, you need to by the end of this year because I'm with Nate. Um I, I just don't see them being I, – I see them being what they have been, a pretty good to great regular season team that just flames out when the playoffs start. Um, and to a point Nate made earlier about James Harden not changing, I think you have a better chance if the Rockets were able to get go and get Ty Lu, who is apparently you know rumored that – who James Harden wanted to be the head coach. It hasn't really been – Positive or negative things for, about Silas kind of rumored with Harden, but I, I don't see a guy like James Harden letting a guy like Stephen Silas come in and just change his style of play. So I mean, I think I think if you're looking at the Southwest Division as a whole, the the Rockets are going to fall and crash big time in the next couple of years.
1: All right, so we're back. Um, so one little thing, a tidbit. And the bit honestly, I think the biggest foe for the Grizzlies going forward in the South Southwest Division is the Dallas Mavericks, primarily because they have Luka Doncic, who I kind of have pegged as the guy that's going to take the throne from LeBron James when it's his time to hang it up. And they, they have a lot of urgency with building around Luka and Kristaps Porzingis, primarily with finding veteran help and finding a third star. And that's even come in the form of – them potentially trading their 18th pick and then their 31st pick, which was the Warriors second round pick, or acquiring a third star like Rudy Gilbert. And Nate, what do you think of that decision for the Dallas Mavericks, especially since they already have the draft capital lost and the Chris Sportsingus trade? Should they be looking to trade the 18th pick in a pretty decent role player draft? When they could find cheap depth to surround Luca and Kristaps with?
0: I really don't understand it, to be completely honest with you, because, you know if you want to prioritize finding depth in free agency, they will be able to do that. There are names, defenders that they, they can target in free agency that'll help them shore up their defense to where they don't have they don't have to have Seth Curry defending Kawhi Leonard in a playoff series. It was a, uh, a pretty unfortunate situation for Rick Carlisle to deal with, but it's what he had to deal with. But you and I have already talked about a lot in the past about how this draft is not necessarily top-heavy in the sense that there's not a consensus number one pick. There's Not a consensus number two pick, but there are plenty of hidden gems. There are plenty of role players to find someone really good is going to be available at pick number 18 in this draft. And I'm not telling you who Dallas would draft with that hypothetical number 18 pick, but you look at mock drafts, you see players that you and I are really high on, like R.J. Hampton, who are slipping past that point, Cole Anthony, Tyrese Maxey, guys who I think are going to be really good to even star caliber players for years to come that could be available for them at 18. It's not, for them to do what is rumored suggest a total lack of faith in the role players of this draft. It, it, It means to me that you think this draft is one of the worst in recent memory. And it's okay to have that opinion. It's a valid opinion to have. It does appear to be a weaker draft as compared to the last several ones. But you better be certain about it if you do that. You better be certain about it because there will be a really good player available at 18 for the Dallas Mavericks. Someone who could be a long-term contributor in the starting lineup next to Luka Doncic, next to Chris Porzingis. They need defensive help. Um, you know, I am totally blanking out right now. Wing from Florida State that I don't like. You know I don't like him. Devin uh, Vassell. Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell is somebody I'm not super high on, especially after I saw his um, medicine ball shooting performance from his highlight video from a couple weeks ago, his workout video. But Devin Vassell, very good two-way wing, shot 40% from three at Florida State, averaged 13 points a game. He is somebody who could potentially fall to number 18 that you could slide into the starting lineup right next to Luka Doncic right off the starting bat, right at the beginning of next season. Are you sure you want to trade out that opportunity of having a player who can be a long-term member of your young core going forward? I just don't think Dallas should do that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, the Kevin O'Connor has Aaron Naismith going there at 18. I know I Brandon.
0: you yeah. yeah,
1: and I know, Brandon, you're really high on Aaron Naismith. You have him ninth on your big board that we're releasing next week on Blues.com. Brandon, what are your thoughts on that? And should they be trying to trade cap, uh, trade draft capital and supporting cast to chase a, a quote-unquote third star like Rudy Gobert that's been kind of mentioned today?
2: I think the best thing for the Grizzlies would be for the Dallas Mavericks to be impatient. Um, so basically agreeing with you and Nate, I think them making a, a move right now would be just dumb. Um, you know, regardless of, you know, really who they end up picking at 18 if they keep it, it's guaranteed to be, you know, a, someone who should be a solid player. Um, you know, their timeline, you know, they were – they ended up being the seventh seed, but, you know, they have flirted with, you know, being like a four or five seed most of the season last year. Um, they overachieved – I think, I mean, Luka's fantastic. Porzingis really, you know, before he tore his meniscus, was playing phenomenal. Um, but I, I just think, you know, if they make short-sighted moves to try and compete now, and especially in the next couple of years where the Warriors are going to be back, you know, the Timberwolves have talent. You don't really know what they're going to be. They're interesting and weird. Portland's going to be more healthy next year. I mean – so how better do the Mavericks get? Like, do they really get higher than the seventh seed? And if they trade away the few picks they have, you're not going to get, you know, young talent that you can kind of keep on the cheap for a while. So then you're relying on Jalen Brunson to kind of be play a player he's not. You know, eventually you're going to have to pay some of these guys like, you know, Seth Curry, um, who, like, you know, uh, I mean, Courtney Lee's coming off the books, which is good. You know, they, they had a steal in Trey Burke, but you're going to have to start finding, you know, guys like that. You're going to have to pay Maxi Kleber. Uh, DeLon Wright had an interesting year with them. So, I mean, they need something, but I don't know if now's the time to make that all in. move. You know, I think it'd be great for the Grizzlies if the Mavericks went all in and tried to win a championship in the next two to three years because then it prime it'd set the Grizzlies up for the next five or six. But i mean i agree with you i think they'd be dumb to give away draft capital to try and get a third star especially if that third star is a guy like rudy gobert now you know if they i don't think they have the assets for but if you go get a bradley beal or you know devin booker who depending on who you ask either loves or hates phoenix i think that might be worth it but I mean, the guy's kind of rumored to Dallas outside of Giannis Antetokounmpo, which I even think is a long shot. I think Dallas just needs to be patient from their perspective and let Luka grow, let Chris Stapps grow and see how his health is going to be, get good talent in the draft, and then keep getting role players. And then when the NBA kind of weakens, that's when they should take their shot.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's going to be really fun for all that to happen because when it comes down to, you know, that post-LeBron era when and also when guys like Kawhi, Steph Curry, they get old. The Grizzlies are one of those teams alongside the New Orleans Pelicans and the Dallas Mavericks that can make that play and can go win a championship. And it's going to be exciting to see over the next decade. And so that's about all the time we have for the Core 4 podcast Make sure you are following Brandon and Nate on Twitter at BC Abraham and at Nathan Chester 24. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and downloading every episode of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow the Core 4 Podcasts on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcasts with the number four, not the word four. Follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. And with that, that's it.